So uh, how many of you, you have a sport or you have a hobby? Wave at me if you have a sport or a hobby. Usually people find sports or hobbies that are challenging, but they think they're good at that. I have not done that with golf. I'm not good, but I love it. It's a problem. It's a love-hate relationship. I've been playing for a while now, and I really did think for a very long time I was no good because the clubs were too small. Come to find out the clubs were not the problem. I was the problem. I mean, I would like feel like I'd have to like pop a squat just to hit the ball, you know what I mean? I looked ridiculous. And then I would have a couple of days that I felt like good with hitting the ball. It's like, I got this. This is my sport. And I'll go out the next day and I would bomb. Anybody have a sport like that? You'd be like, I thought I got, I'm fur- I thought I was further along than this. And then Last week, we had one of our overseers come, Pastor Mark. He's a great golfer, so we went out to play golf, and he really was showing me different positions to hit the ball, And because this is the problem that I have. I, I, I want to crush the ball. Anybody want to crush? I just want to crush it, and it, and it really goes off, and then like you see like a grandma come up to the ball and like hit the ball softly and it goes further than mine, that's really upsetting. That is something that like really irks me. Like what are you doing? And it really, all it is, is being in the right position. It's not really the club. Of course you can get better ones, but it's about being in a better position because it's the way that you swing and it, it's, it's staying down on the ball and it's moving your hips. And when you're in the right position, you will hit the ball. And when you hit the ball, it feels good. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like, it, it feels great. There's no golfers in here? Okay, I can tell. Everybody's like, nah, it's not my sport. Well, anyway, the thing is this. The thing is, my mentor had to keep telling me the position that I needed to be in. When I'm in the right position, then I can see victory in my life. It is the same with our lives. A lot of times we wanna blame church or we wanna blame whatever, and it's really not like the club's fault, really it's just our position. And when we're in the right position, you'll see God move in your life in a mighty way. And I wanna talk about that. Peter got in the right position and God began to move in his life. And I'm here to remind you of a couple of things. Just like my mentor, he left, and I, I, I started hitting. I felt good about it. And then I started hitting again. I started messing up. And he was like, oh, you're doing this again, right? You got to get back in this position because it is where it is in this position that you'll see victory. You got to keep your head down. You got to keep your knees bent. And your position, knowing your position in Jesus will change everything in your life. And I'm here to remind you the position that you have in Jesus. Like I said before, really, you don't have a sin problem, it's a positional problem. You don't have have this hang-up, it's a positional problem. You don't have this, this failure issue, that's not who you are, it's a positional problem problem. And just like I can get frustrated in the sport, some of you can get frustrated trying to serve God because you feel like you're doing good every once in a while, and then you fall straight on your face. And you're like, I don't even know if I want to do this 
anymore. That's how many people feel. But I'm here to tell you, if you practice getting in the right position in Jesus, you will find yourself going faith to faith, to victory to victory. And that's why we come here today, is we remind ourselves the position that we are in with Jesus. And when that becomes a reality, you'll find victory in your life. Do you believe that? Yeah, give God a hand if you want to. So I want to give you something today. Three reminders of your position in Jesus. And this is from Luke 5 with Peter. Now, this is such an interesting story. And really, <laughs> this story just shows the goodness of God. And I, I just think it's amazing that Peter, this guy that felt off, this guy that did not feel worthy of Jesus, Peter made the decision to allow Jesus in the boat. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to let Jesus in the boat. I want to remind this. I want to, I want to remind you of this. Number one, God is with you. God is with you. He is not far away. He is with you. Something happened when Jesus got in the boat with Peter. Everything changed. See, when we change, everything changes. See, God's actual name is Emmanuel, which means God is with us. How many of you are thankful that we don't serve a God that is far off, but we serve a God that is with us? I want to remind you that God is with you. See, we always think in our mind, in our own old mindset, we feel like we have to go and find God, but God is really close. He is with us. He is in us. And so God is chasing after you. See, we think we have to go to a church or a building or something to get close with God. But God, when you give your life to God, he is in your boat. I need to remind you today that Jesus is in your boat. I'm not saying when you are just doing well. I'm not saying when everything is going right. I'm saying when you're in your darkest time, Jesus is in your boat. When you're at your height, Jesus is in your boat. I, you know, in the Old Testament, to be able to get close to God, you had to drop everything, get a spotless lamb, and go to what was called uh, the temple, right? You are the, the tent or the tabernacle. And you would have to go to God and you would have to make a sacrifice and you would have to go through stages to begin to get the blessing of God. And there was a high priest there that you would get the blessing. This is the closest you had to go to get with God. This is the closest you can get with God was in the temple. Now, Jesus came, and I want you to think about this. Jesus came, he died on the cross, and in that moment, something significant happened when Jesus says, it is finished. Say that with me. It is finished. The Bible said that in the temple, the old way of worship, that literally the veil in the temple that kept people out of the presence of God was torn from the top to the very bottom. And they, would, they used to test this veil by putting oxen on both sides and pulling it. And if it did not rip, they knew it was up to par. And this veil tore from the top to the bottom, signifying that no longer do you have to go to a temple to find God. You now have access to God, and you are the temple. You are the temple. So 
We have to know today that when Jesus died and he sent his Holy Spirit, he said, you don't have to go to the temple for God to be in your boat. You are the temple. You actually have God inside of you. I want to remind you today that Jesus is in your boat. No matter what state you are in, when you have a relationship with God, Jesus is in your boat. I can just picture God in the flesh getting in the boat and everything changing. Number one, everybody is drawn to Jesus. He is teaching. I believe the ocean, got, he got the ocean's uh, recognition and the, the fish started to flock to Jesus. Why? Because the whole earth is groaning for God and the coming of God. The whole earth is attracted to him. And here is what we have to realize. Jesus is in your boat. He is on the inside of you. The same one that had literal earth attracted to him, you have the same attraction on the inside of you. But this is the problem. Sometimes we forget that Jesus is in the boat and we have low moments, and we feel like we have to get ourselves out. And I'm here to remind you that Jesus is even there in your low moments. Just the same way, the same way that Jesus was with the adulterous woman and saved her from being stoned. In her lowest moment, let me ask you, in your lowest moment, do you retreat or do you turn to him? In your lowest moment, do you feel like you got to clean yourself up, then come to God? That's like saying you need to clean yourself up before getting a bath. Some of you, (laughs) I bet, don't say, you know, I need to clean myself up, then take a bath. No, we just go to God. He's what cleanses us. And I'm here to tell you today, think about this. Jesus created you. He knew you. He knows everything. And the mistakes that you make, he already knew you were going to make them. He died for you in advance knowing who you are. He is omniscient. He's all-knowing. He knew what you were going to do before you did it. But you get into a place where you think, okay, I blew it. Now God is far away. No, he's in your boat. He's in your boat. The same way with Peter. Peter did not feel worthy but he allowed the king of kings and the Lord of lords in his boat, and there was a blessing that came with that. I believe that there's a blessing for you when you start to get in position that God is with you. God is in the middle right now. God is with you in this broken relationship that you might have. God in the middle of your financial crisis that maybe even you did, God is in your boat. And when we begin to believe and we get in the position that God is in our boat, there's something miraculous that happens. We begin to not be self-conscious but Jesus-conscious and favor is attracted to us. David said this, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. See, Peter, Peter allowed Jesus in his boat. Are you allowing Jesus in every area of your life, including your failures? Are you allowing Jesus in every part of your life? See, when you're going through a hard time, know that God is there. Know that God is with you. 
See, when God is with you, who can be against you? God is with you. There is something that even when you have, even when you have a business meeting, there's something when you get your eyes off of yourself and know that God is with you, favor actually enters the room. When you're having a hard time with your spouse or your kids, when you recognize God is with us, favor, the room starts to change. When you start to realize Jesus is in my boat, God begins to cause you to have grace, which is unmerited favor. You didn't deserve it, but you're getting it because Jesus paid for it. Let me ask you, in your work, are you recognizing that God is with you? You'll find yourself in promotion. You'll find yourself having favor with your coworkers because you are not putting your confidence in yourself. You're saying, Jesus is in my boats. Jesus is with you. The more that you recognize Jesus being with you, the more the blessing will overtake your life. And I'm here to tell you today, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, when you've asked Jesus into your life, you have everlasting life. Quit trying to fix it on your own and start to recognize that the King of kings and the Lord of lords is with me. He's with me in my family. He's with me in my neighborhood. He's with me at the job. He's with me in the city. I don't have to, I don't have to fear because Jesus is in my boat. What are you fearing today? Allow Jesus in that area of your life. What are you scared of today? Allow Jesus in that area of your life. What is your failure today? Allow Jesus in that area of your life, and he will begin to fix it because you have the King of kings and the Lord of lords. See, Peter was working really hard in his own abilities, catching nothing. But when Jesus got in the boat, something happened. The whole, the whole sea of fish started to come that way because the attraction of Jesus... The favor of Jesus was literally in the boat. And when I say the boat in your life, Jesus is in your boat. He's with you. Even when we go through hard times, he's with you. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. But the old mindset is, no, he's not with me right now. He's disappointed. He's not with me right now. I really need to work my way to get to God. No, Jesus did all the work on the cross. The veil was torn so that you can be with him in this moment. I don't know about you, but that's good news for me. I remember when we first moved here, we didn't have any certainties. We didn't know where we were going to live, what we were going to do. And uh, I, kept, uh, I kept having this in my, my spirit. Jesus is with me. God is with me. God is in my boat. He can do what I cannot do. And I'm telling you, knowing that, there was a certain attraction, there was a certain thing. God started opening doors that I could not open, not because of any ability I had, knowing that God was with me, actually gave not only confidence, but favor that only came from him. There is going to be something about you there's going to be attraction about you, and it's not because you got that fresh haircut. It's going, to be, it's going to happen because you know that God is with you. It is an anchor. It is solidified. It is not wondering or thinking, but it's certainty God is with me. And I remember we were actually, my friend showed me this nice neighborhood, and initially 
you know, it was safe, and we were getting out of the city, um, and, and we were just, listen, we had three kids, and our backyard was Dave and Buster's. They needed a yard, and uh, so we were trying to find a place, and initially when I go in this place, I'm thinking, there's no way, there's no way that we'll be able to get a place here, and um, something kept ringing in my, my heart, but God is with you. God is with you. God is with you. And I remember we started looking at places and the places we could not afford, but we felt God was with us. We actually asked for a certain price to come down. They were like, okay, we'll take it. And so we started leasing this house, and God put in our hearts, I want you to be around influencers, and I want you to get these influencers to turn the hearts the hearts of the fathers to the children, people that are struggling, people that are down and out, let's flip the script in this city. Go after people and love people that are in government, love people that are in business, love people that are in education, love these people and also go after those that have nothing. Go after those that need him. Go after those that are down and out. And I remember we stepped in that place and we begin to say, you know what? God called us to be in this place. God called us, God is with us, this is beyond us, but I'm telling you, as soon as we begin to say God is in our boat, something started to shift, and there was attraction that took place. There was favor that took place. Within a year, we bought that house when COVID hit. It was uh, $100,000 off the house. It was something unbelievable. We couldn't get it on our own, and within a year, we didn't even know how it happened, but Lee and I got on the board of the neighborhood, and our, our, our job is to greet new people in the neighborhood and love on them. So the neighbors are all of a sudden like, hey, who are you? What are y'all? Why is your kid? Let's, let's hang out. And I'm like, I don't know you, but let's do it. And the people that are running the neighborhood are like, hey, I think you can help. And I'm thinking, I'm out of my league here. I don't think I can help you. No, we want you to direct, we want you to be the director. And I'm like, why? And then I remembered, oh yeah, God's in my boat. Jesus is in my boat. You gotta know, you gotta know, when Jesus is in your boat, he's gonna give you the best. And this is not about material things. This is about, this is about positioning yourself to be able to influence influencers. This is about positioning yourself to be able to reach out to other people. How many of you know that when you've got fa the favor of God, you've got more than the world has? And he will open doors that no man can open. And he will shut doors that no man can shut. He will begin to move and position you when you know that the king of kings lives on the inside of me. You have got the goods. Look at your neighbor and say, you've got the goods. God is with you. Why can't you get that job? Why can't you get that education? Why can't you be in a relationship like that? Why can't you? Why can't you when God is in the boats? You got to position yourself knowing I am not going to get my mind to a place to think I'm doing this on my own. You might not be the smartest. You might not be the most talented. But guess what? God chose 12 disciples that weren't the most educated and challenged, but they got Jesus in the boat and they literally changed the world. You need to have it in your heart that Jesus is in my boat. My marriage looks like it's going to fall apart. Not mine because that's a prerequisite for being up here. But... Your marriage might look like it's falling apart. You need to begin to say, Jesus is in my boat. 
Looks like you're about to fail in school. Jesus is in my boat. You start to look different. You carry yourself different. I literally was in a business meeting not too long ago, and I, was, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to position myself, and I, I stopped and I said, God, you're with me. God, you're with me. And that moment, God gave, he reminded me of something that I, I totally forgot about. And I just like, I, I said it in the meeting, and it was the solution to the meeting. It wasn't me, it was God with me. You got to know that God is with you in everything that you do. And he's going to begin to give you favor in your life. Do you believe that? He's going to give you wisdom in your business. He's going to give you wisdom for your finances. He's going to give you wisdom in your marriage. He's going to give you wisdom because he's in your boat. Stop looking at your problems and start coming into praise because God is bigger than your problems. When you see how big your God is, you'll start to see how small your problems are. And today I'm here to tell you and remind you, position yourself because God is with you. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter your pedigree. When you have God with you and you believe it, God gives you a grace and an attraction and favor that you cannot get on your own. God is with you in that sickness. God didn't put that sickness in you. It is not God repaying you. He's a good father and he loves you, which goes to my second point. I love that Peter, Peter said this, he said, God, this is not logical. I've been fishing all night. But because of your word, because of your word, I will let down my nets. Because of your word. I'm here to tell you today, we need to position ourselves around God's word. And he will do the miraculous. What, where you first saw, saw that it was just, it, it was not logical, God's going to be He's going to be able to do the miraculous because you begin to say, listen, I'm going to, I know this one thing. I know this second thing that God is not just with me, but God is for me. God's not just with you. He's for you. See, this is something that, that Peter could not fathom. He said, God, I'm a sinful man. And God, Jesus said, don't yield to fear. He said, don't yield to fear. See, we think the blessings in our life are conditional. But I'm here to tell you, when you know that God is for you and you have positioned that in your heart, you will start to see things change in your life. I'm here to tell you that God is for you. God is for you. See, we don't think like Peter, we deserve the blessing. And he's, he's, he's telling you, yeah, but you're my child. You're my daughter. You're my son. Let's read this, Romans 8.31. Let's read it to, I want to read the second part together. It says, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? Read this with me. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Let's read it one more time. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Say it like you mean it. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Do you believe that? If God is for you, who can be against you? Who can be against you? God is for you. God is for you. I want to remind you today that God is love. God is love, and he loves you. I know that sounds trivial, 
But the truth is when you are anchored in God's love and know that he is for you, something begins to happen on the inside and you begin to expect his love and favor in your life, not according to what you've done, but according to who he is. I want to I read this, 1 John 4, 17. Let's say this together, just the first line. God is love. Let's say it again. God is love. One more time. God is love. Now think about this. Peter did not see or know that God is love. He did not know that. So the blessing that came to his life, he felt like he didn't deserve it. And a lot of times when we don't know who we are in God and blessings come to our life, we don't think that we deserve it and we can actually sabotage it because you don't think it came from God. You don't know why you should be blessed. So you sabotage the blessing. But when you know that your God is love, you can accept the blessing because it's a blessing coming from your loving father. On the contrary... We can expect defeat, and when we're in defeat, we're thinking, what did we do wrong? I'm here to tell you. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Did God bless Peter before he repented or after? Did God bless Peter before he repented or after? Before. Can I tell you this? It is the goodness of God that brings us to repentance. God is so full of love, and he's so full of goodness. It is his goodness that brings us to repentance. What is repentance? It's changing the way that we think. It's changing the position of our heart. Let's continue to read this. God is love. When we take up permanent residence in a life of love, we live in God, and God lives in us. This way, love has the run of the house, becomes at home and mature in us, so that we're free of worry, listen to this, so that we're free of worry of judgment day, our standing in the world is identical with Christ. Wait a second. Our standing in the world is identical with Christ. There is no room in love for fear. There is no room. There is no room in love for fear. How many of you know that? Perfect love casts out fear. When you know how much God loves you, you will not fear. Peter, Jesus told Peter, don't yield to fear. Don't yield to fear. What if this is going to happen? What if that's going to happen? Worry, worry, worry. When you know how good God is and how much he loves you, you won't yield to fear. There is no room in love for fear well-formed love banishes fear. Since fear is crippling a fearful life, fear of death, fear, fear of judgment is one not yet fully formed in love. See, we have to know this. There is therefore no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, 1. There is no condemnation. See, we get in fear. We don't believe that God is for us, but I'm here to tell you not only is God for you, uh, but he's with you. He's with you and he's for you. He wants those good things in your life. He wants to bless your life. But he wants you to have a solidity of his love in your heart. That you are 100% convinced that you have a father that loves you and wants to bless you. 
what happens when we know we get fear out of our life. See, in our life, we can live in condemnation, and because of our failures, the enemy is pointing his finger at you, and you're dealing with fear because I did this, this is going to happen to my life, and this, this is going to happen to my life, and the enemy's pointing fingers, and, and you need to know this, there is no accusation when you have the forgiveness of God. He is for you. He covers your sin, washes your sin, and changes your nature. When you turn to him and know that he loves you, you'll begin to expect good things in your your life. Listen, this Christianity thing is not karma. If we all live for karma, we're all screwed. What is karma? Do good, get good. Do bad, get bad. Jesus said, you did bad, but I am good. I'm putting your bad on me so that you get good. That's not, that's not, that's not karma. Thank God that we don't believe in karma. Now, I do believe you put in good seed, God is going to produce. There are good seeds and good things that you can do and produce good things. But this is the thing. Because of your past, you should not expect for there not to be a blessing in your life when you know that God loves you. God wants to erase your past. He wants to erase your past, and he wants you to be confident in his love. Are you confident in the goodness of God? How about we position ourselves to be confident in the goodness of God? I want us to get this right here in this, uh, in this scripture because if we get this, uh, we'll leave seeing ourselves different, seeing God different. Romans 5, 1 through 2. Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us and now declares us flawless in his eyes. Can I say that again? Let's say it again. Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us and now he we are declared flawless in his eyes. Do y'all believe that? Do you believe that God looks at you and sees you flawless? Many of us don't. This is the thing that God opens our eyes and there's freedom in this. I'm going to say it again. Our faith. How many of you believe in the word of God? How, how many of you believe that it's true? It's God's word. He says this, that we take on the righteousness of God and he now declares us flawless in his eyes. I don't know about you, but that's good news for me. See, when we have eternal life, our spirit is connected with God. Our soul is being saved daily. That's our mind, will, and our emotions. But you need to know, because of what Jesus did on the cross, he sees you as flawless. This means we can now enjoy true and lasting peace with God. Do you have peace with God right now? Do you feel peace with God? You will not feel peace with God when you don't feel like you're flawless in his eyes. All because of what our Lord Jesus, the anointed one, has done for us. Our faith guarantees, say guarantees, us permanent access into his marvelous kindness. That means he wants to do good for you. That has given us a perfect relationship with God. What an incredible joy bursts forth within us as we keep on celebrating our hope of experiencing God's glory. 
I want us to be in the habit, even when we see ourselves failing, you need to begin to tell yourself, I'm the righteousness of God. You need to begin to tell yourself that this fruit, this fruit in my life is going to change when I begin to believe who I am in God. See, we see wrong fruit in our lives when we're in a wrong position in him. And a lot of times when we don't see ourselves the way that God sees us, we will find ourselves falling on our face. But I'm here to tell you today, you're the righteousness of God. I didn't say it. He said it. Now, there's a story in the Bible that gives an illustration of this. Everything in the Old Testament points to Jesus. And there was, y'all heard of Abraham. Abraham had Isaac and Isaac had Jacob, right? Abraham had Isaac, Isaac had Jacob. Now, Isaac had two sons. It was Jacob and Esau. Are y'all tracking with me? Esau was born first. Jacob was literally, hold, they were twins, holding the heels of Esau. And there was something significant that happened. Why in the world isn't it Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. Esau was the firstborn. That's the one that takes the name. It's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, what happened? What happened? Jacob is known as a surplanter. Jacob is known as a, uh, a, a shyster. But God uses all of this in the Old Testament for us to begin to get a picture of what happened in the cross, on the cross. Now, Isaac was about to die, and he had to bless one of his sons and give all the inheritance to one of the sons. That always happens to the firstborn. That always happens to the firstborn. But Jacob did something. See, Esau was a guy that was in, in the woods. He was hairy. He stunk. You know what I mean? And he hunted. Jacob was kind of a mama's boy in the kitchen. He had smooth skin. Right? You following me? Isaac was about to give Esau the blessing, but he was so old that he couldn't see. So what he was about to do is say, Esau, come in here. I'm going to get my right hand. I'm going to bless my firstborn, and you're going to get the blessing, and everything I have belongs to you. But Jacob, his mom said, I want you to have the blessing. I want you to have the blessing. Go do this. Go fix your dad a stew, put on some wool, and actually wear Jacob's or Esau's clothes. And when you come to Isaac, your father, he's going to think that you are Esau and he's going to bless you. Are y'all tracking with me? So Jake, Jacob literally goes into the room. His father touches what he thinks is Esau, but he blesses Jacob. He's not the firstborn. He blesses Jacob, and Jacob gets the blessing and owns everything that the father has. Why am I saying this? I'm saying this because God, right now, what Jesus did on the cross, the firstborn, what Jesus did, what he paid for, actually clothes you in righteousness. Actually, you smell like Jesus. You look like Jesus. It's what he did. And when the father approaches you, he doesn't just see, he doesn't just see you. He sees his son and blesses you the same way he would bless 
Jesus. That means I'm the righteousness of Christ. When God sees me, he sees me through the blood of Jesus. The same blessing that Jesus deserves, we get because of what he paid on the cross. And when I approach God, I'm not approaching God just to Evan. I'm approaching God as the righteousness of Christ. And God senses his son, and he says, I'm going to bless that one. It smells like my son. I sense my son. I'm about to bless him. I'm about to bless her. See, you're not with yourself. God is with you, and God is for you. He is in your boat, and God literally right now says, what do you have to fear when God is for you? What do you have to fear when God is with you? How many of you know that worry dissipates from our life when we are confident in the love of God? Let's get somebody to come up and play as we close. I want to give you this. See, some of us say, well, I don't really understand that because what's the point? I mean, that, that seems too good. Some of you in your heart right now, you might think, man, that seems too good. I don't get it. Why, why, even, why even if I'm not, doing, I'm not measuring up, I'm still get blessed? What's, what's, the, what's the point? See, it's it's. it's not logical. This doesn't make sense. Religion wants to keep you in a place that the good news is not really good news. You got to work. You got to work. But I'm here to tell you, God did the work on the cross. And you're saying, why wouldn't I just go out and do whatever I want to do if I'm going to be blessed anyway? This is why that you missed the whole point. You missed the whole point. You, you were so forgiven and loved that you can't help but love your father back. When you know that you're a child of God and God paid the price, you wouldn't want to go out and do anything you want to do. I don't, I'm, I'm faithful to Leah because of the love that we have, the commitment that we have. I'm in love. When God has been so good to you and you are confident in his love, you don't want to go out and just do anything you want to do. You are so captivated by his love, you want this relationship, this dance going on with God, you want that continually in your life. And I'm here to tell you, when you see the love of God and how much he loves you, it changes you, it changes you from the inside out where you don't want to do these things anymore. It is not doing five steps not to do that, it's receiving the love of God and that he senses Jesus on you and you have the righteousness of God on you if God is for you who can be against you I'm here to make an announcement to the enemy that has tried to condemn you I'm here to tell you we overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony and today we declare that we are the righteousness in Christ Jesus Let guilt fall off of you. Let fear fall off of you. Know that I am carrying the King of kings, the Lord of lords. His spirit is connected with mine. And the enemy can point his finger, but I have the conviction of Jesus. You know what? how the Holy Spirit convicts you? See, he convicts the enemy of judgment. Read the scripture. He convicts the enemy of judgment. Sin, righteousness, and judgment. He convicts the world of sin, but he knows, you know what he convicts you of? Righteousness. What is your conviction in God? The whole, read it. He convicts the enemy of judgment. We know where he's going at the end of the day. He convicts the world of sin, but he convicts us 
of righteousness. See, when we're off doing something we shouldn't be doing, you need to stop and listen to the Holy Spirit saying, that's not you. That doesn't look like you. See, when you start getting a relationship with God, you don't want to do those things anymore because they don't feel right. You now carry Jesus with you. And the Holy Spirit will say, this is who you look like. You look like a child of God. This is who you are. You look flawless in his sight. This is who you are, the blessings coming on your life. This is not you over here. It's like putting on a ridiculous outfit. I don't, I don't see how guys uh, put on the red dress for the red dress run. If that's your thing, do it. But I'd feel too ridiculous. That's how sin will feel when you begin to do this. You need to start, when you're, when you're getting off, you need to remind yourself, I'm the righteousness of Christ, and I, I look like him. I am his son. This is not me. And the conviction says, no, I'm coming over here. I choose love. And when the enemy begins to point to you, you need to say, the enemy, you're defeated by the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony. I know the end of your story is judgment, but the end of my story is eternal life. And what you can take this tent away from me right now, and I will be with God. I, have, I don't even fear death because I have eternal life. I believe I'm going to live a long life, but if I don't, don't feel sorry for me because I'm going to be in bliss in heaven and eternal life. And, and, and right here and right now, when you have eternal life with God, you don't have to fear about death. There is a universal theme that everybody fears death. But when you know that when Jesus rose from the grave and he made your spirit alive with him, you don't have to fear death any longer. There is nothing that you have to fear because with you, you have the righteousness of Christ. All things work out for your good, for those that love God and are called according to his purpose. What do you have to fear when you face trouble? The Bible says love. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Romans 8 says nothing. Say nothing. Height, depth, your sin, the devil, the angels, nothing can separate you from the love of God. If nothing can separate you from the love of God, then what do you have to fear? I might go through trouble, but God is with me. I might go through the fire, but I will not be burned. God is with me. When God is with me, who can be against me? I might go through difficult times. I might go through things I don't understand, but God is with me. I'm here to remind you, give you an announcement that God is with you and he is for you. All things work together for the good that love God and are called according to his purpose. I'm here to tell you the end of your story looks good. The end of your story looks good. Well, what if, what if I get let go in this area? God will open a better door for you. What if this relationship doesn't work out? God will open the door. What if, what, if, what if this happens? God is your restorer. You're the righteousness of Christ. I'm not saying everything that happens is good, but he is good and he will work it out for your good in the end. And knowing that, knowing his love, you can face things that you wouldn't be able to face before because you got God with you. You've got God with you. What are you fearing? God loves you. You're the apple of his eye. He loves you. What do you have to fear? And the second, the third thing is this. He has called you. God is with you. God is for you. 
and he called you. God blessed Peter so much that Peter dropped everything and said, I'm following you. See, what is all this forgiveness about? What is all this forgiveness about? So that you can go and love others the way Jesus has loved you. He's called you. What has he called you to? To love others the way that he loved you. The thing is that he died for us even when we were sinners. And it's not true love in us is not true love when we only love those that love us back. True love is when we even love our enemies. True love is when we love even the people that have done us wrong. True love, listen, when you do this Jesus thing, you'll notice that you'll have to face rejection. You'll have to face hurt. You'll have to face betrayal. If Jesus faced it, you're going to face it, but you don't have to worry about it because you have Jesus in you. And so you need to know this. God says, if your enemy asks you to carry his stuff for a mile, you go two miles. He's, he says, how can we accept all this love and not give it? True freedom is not only receiving the blessing for your life, but you're blessed to be a blessing. Who do you need to forgive today? Because if you feel like you are feeling condemned, even though you know God is with you, God is saying, I'll let that go in your life. Can you let that go in their life? I'll let that go in your life. Can you let that go in their life? Can you let that go? Because God is calling you to do one thing. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Is there somebody you need to forgive today? Because bitterness can contaminate the whole soul. And you will find it in other areas of your life, not just the one person that you have unforgiveness towards. How about we say today that God loved us so much that we're going to begin to love others even if I don't get anything in return? We don't love others to get something from them. We know that when we love others, it's actually loving Jesus himself. When he said, when you feed the hungry, when you clothe the naked, you're actually doing it for me. Let's read one scripture and we're going to close. 1 John 4, 9 through 12. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. Wave at me if you're thankful for that. This is real love. Not that we love God, but he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. How do people in the world begin to believe in Jesus? People in the world begin to believe in Jesus because we're so loved that we begin to love others. Not for what we can get, but it's from an overflow that we have from God's love. Come on, if you want to receive that today, just stand up right where you are. I'm going to say a prayer. Maybe you're here and you say, you know what? I don't have a relationship with God, but I need one. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart, and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. And there's a team right now that's praying along with you. If you want a relationship with Jesus today, 
it's one prayer. Can we pray that today? With everybody's eyes closed and heads bowed. If you say, I want to ask Jesus into my heart. Say this after me. Say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died for me and that you rose again. I want a relationship with you. Come into my life. Cover my sin. Make me clean. I want to follow you all the days of my life. With nobody looking around, I'm not going to embarrass you, but if you prayed that prayer today, can you just slip up your hand? I see your hands. I see your hands. All, all over, I see your hands. God bless you. You can put them down. The Bible says that when one person gives their life to God, the whole heavens rejoice. And I'm here to tell you that there's a party going on with those that lifted their hands today. There's a party going on. Welcome to the family of God. Welcome to eternal life. The Bible says that all old things have passed away and all things become new. And I want to do something today. Those that lifted your, your hands on the count of three, can we party along with heaven today, welcoming those into the family of God? One, two, three. Come on, let's give God a hand. Come on, give God a shout. If you want to receive a right position, maybe you have seen yourself off, maybe you have been full of condemnation, maybe you have had fear, maybe you haven't felt like God is with you, I want to pray for you today that God will begin to open your eyes. And just like I had a mentor that said, get in this position, the Holy Spirit is going to show you this position throughout the week, and you're going to find blessings in your life. Come on, just lift your hands if you want to receive that today. Lord, I thank you that today we come into position. Say this after me. Say, Jesus, thank you that you're with me that you're for me and that you called me. Thank you that you're with me, that you're for me and that you called me. Now, Lord, I thank you that everybody in here, they're going to feel the smile of God on them today. They're going to feel the favor of God throughout the week. I thank you that you've positioned their heart today to receive all the blessings that you have for them. Thank you from here on out. They will de declare that I am the righteousness of Christ in Jesus' name. Come on, give God a hand if you believe it.